This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's drive time now. Welcome to Tribe Talk on the Cleveland Indians Radio Network. Tribe Talk is brought to you by Cleveland Clinic. Access the number one care in Ohio anytime, anywhere. By Subway, the official training restaurant of the Cleveland Indians. By KeyBank, the banking home of the Cleveland Indians. Welcome to Tribe Talk. Jim Rosenhouse along with you this weekend from Progressive Field in downtown Cleveland. Great to have you with us as we continue with our hot stove shows during the offseason. And coming your way on this week's show, we'll continue our series of games of the week. A look back at some of the great games of 2017. A late April contest between the Indians and the Houston Astros. Two of the favorites to be the champs in the American League. And, well, it kind of worked out that way. The Indians had the best record in the regular season. And, of course, the Astros went on to win the World Series, and this was a series back in late April at Progressive Field that featured some great baseball. We'll take a look back at one of the games from that series that uh, went right down to the last out. So that's coming up on our look back at a game of the week from 2017. We'll also catch up with Joel Hammond, the Indians director or assistant director of communications, and talk about some great events coming up, most notably Tribe Fest. It's in uh, late January, January the 20th this year. We'll get all the details from Joel. We'll hear from Tori Lavello, former Cleveland Indians minor league manager and a player for the Tribe for a brief time. He is the National League's manager of the year after a great season with the Arizona Diamondbacks. When we come back, though, we'll take a look back at some transactions this week and some important contract news for the Indians that they wrapped up on Friday night. That's all coming your way as Tribe Talk gets rolling on the Cleveland Clinic Indians Radio Network. Welcome back to Tribe Talk. Jim Rosenhouse back with you from Progressive Field in downtown Cleveland. Don't forget, if you want to follow the show on Twitter, you can do so at Indians Radio is our Twitter address, and we try and keep you up to date on showtimes and guests on our upcoming shows right there. And, of course, when the season begins, we'll keep you up to date on air times for particular games and guests that might be appearing in the booth or on the pregame shows. So a lot to see there at, at Indians Radio, our Twitter address. Also, if you want to listen to the show each week, in addition to finding it on many of your Indians Radio Network stations, 
over the weekends. You can find our show at Cleveland Indians Podcasts on iTunes. And once you download that, you can listen to it whenever you like, at your leisure. So a couple of different ways to pick up our show on a weekly basis. Well, for the first time this offseason, in terms of, of hard hot stove news transaction-wise, the Indians with some housekeeping work to do this week, pretty important housekeeping work at that, as they had seven players who were arbitration eligible. And on Friday night at 8 p.m., that was the deadline for those players to be tendered contracts. Now, the Indians reached contracts for 2018 with both relief pitcher Dan Otero and outfielder Abraham Almonte. So they are signed. Now, the other five, and that would include closer Cody Allen, and then starting pitchers Trevor Bauer and Danny Salazar, relief pitcher Zach McAllister, and then outfielder Lonnie Chisenhall for them. The next step is if they want to file for arbitration, they can do so by January the 9th with the exchange date January the 12th. And then hearings, should it go to arbitration, would be from January the 29th through February the 16th. And any time between now and that point, the Indians and those players can agree to a contract for the 2018 season. And that is most likely what will happen because if you go back to, to 1991, only twice have the Indians gone to a hearing with a player, and both times it was 2014. Vinny Pistano and Josh Tomlin both went to arbitration, but that's been it, dating back to 1991. So uh, very likely that Alan Bauer, Salazar, McAllister and Chisenhall will come to some sort of contract agreement before they head to arbitration. So that's a look back at uh, the week gone by in terms of transactions for the Indians. There were some minor league signings, not really any of note, but you never know as uh, we head to spring training. We'll see of the six players who have been signed to minor league contracts, minor league free agents, they all are. All will have an invite to spring training and try and make the club, and it can happen. We've seen it happen in the past, uh, most notably uh, pitchers like Scott Atchison and Jeff Manship over the past five, six years or so. Uh, they've made the club out of spring training and some others as well. So uh, we'll keep an eye on, on some of the names when we get to spring training and, and get a little bit closer to that time. Now, stay tuned. When we return, we will hear from the National League's Manager of the Year. He's Tori Lavallo with some great ties to both the Cleveland Indians and Terry Francona. Always fun to catch up with him, and we'll hear that interview next as we continue with Tribe Talk on the Cleveland Clinic Indians Radio Network. Welcome back to Tribe Talk. Jim Rosenhouse back with you at Progressive Field downtown Cleveland, and we branch out a little bit this week and visit with the National League Manager of the Year this past season with some Good roots to the Cleveland Indians as well. And we're talking about Arizona Diamondbacks manager Tori Lovello. What a season for the Diamondbacks, seemingly coming out of nowhere to reach the postseason and uh, really give their fans a, a lot of excitement over the course of the summer under a first-year manager. And Tori has joined us now. And, and Tori, when you think about that, first-year manager and your National League manager of the year, I imagine that, that has to be a surprise on, on a lot of different levels for you. Well, I think you hit it just just right. You never really um, think about things like that, nor expect something like that to to fall your way. And uh, you know, there was there was a candidate, uh, you know, three three candidates in, in the finals, and you just never know what's going to happen. And when they finally call your name, it, it was a very proud moment. It was something that 
um, I feel like is a team reward for me, and which is obviously a very nice feeling. But we had a group of guys that behind the scenes were working hard daily to make sure our players were prepared. We had a front office that, that built an exceptional team. And then finally, the players were the ones that went out and performed. And they, they, they were the ones that deserve all this credit. And, and they did their job every single day. I asked a lot of them. They never let me down. And it was a special moment when they finally called my name for a lot of different people. And certainly a big turnaround for the team. You, you win more than 90 games this season. And uh, the year prior, a, a difficult year, which usually is the reason why there, there's a new manager there. What did you try and do very early on, uh, perhaps even before spring training, to, to change the mindset there and get them pointed in the right direction? Well, I, I, I was hired about a year ago this time, and it, everything was moving very, very quickly. And uh, what I learned through a lot of conversations with the guys in the front office that there might have been a little bit of um, um, uh, of, you know, injury bug that, that affected the team. There might have been some situations where players try to do too much and ask them their, the, their bodies and their minds to do things that they weren't capable of doing. And there were a lot of common denominators. And the one thing that I wanted to do through my conversation was let them know that what they, what they thought and what they said and what they felt mattered. And uh, I was going to open up a line of communication. I learned from some really good managers that communication was, was a very important art and managing at the big league level. And uh, I think the players really appreciated that. And I, I allowed them the space to go out and perform and be productive and, and be creative. And I didn't want to put anybody in a box. And, and it worked out really well. And you mentioned learning from, from several different managers. Uh, the last manager you played for as a player in the major leagues was in Philadelphia, and his name was Terry Francona. And uh, <laughs> what did you take away from I know you weren't. In the, in the major leagues that long that season, but uh, during that time, uh, what did you take away from that time that, that may have helped you down the road in what you're doing now? Well, you know, what's coincidental is here, that's, you know, the tribe's manager, and he's been in the game a long time, and there's no mystery to um, the reason why he's had so much success. Not only is he an exceptional baseball mind, um, and he's got, he's got an incredible track record as a player and a manager, um, but he, he's got a very you know, special skill when it comes to communication and making everybody feel um, feel like they matter. That's an inclusive thought between the players' management, uh, upper management, and, and the staff. The players feel a connection to their manager. And for whatever reason that is, when players feel connected on that level, there's a, there's a certain um, level of trust that's developed. And when you trust, you can, you can build a rapport and the guys go out and, and believe in what they're being asked to do. And Nobody communicated better than Tito, and uh, I can remember several different situations where he would come up and talk to me, and I just couldn't believe because I was the 24th or 25th man on the roster that uh, my name wasn't Kurt Schilling or Scott Rowland, but he made me feel like I was one of them, and I, I felt connected to that team and uh, to Tito because of what Tito was doing as far as communication, and he was a listener too. He wasn't just able to tell you, he wasn't telling you what it was on his mind. He would be an active listener, and I brought I brought that that thought and that idea with me throughout the course of my career as a, as a, as a manager in player development and finally um, getting this opportunity in Arizona. It, it was an exceptional uh, skill that I learned from Tito that I'm very thankful for. Now, I have to tell you, when he talks about his Philadelphia days, he, he said, look, what you see now is, is it was a little bit different back then because he was just getting started. And uh, he, you would think he was the worst manager in the world 
back then based on how he talks about it, but it's still some of the good things came through even even with some difficult ball clubs. Yes. You know, one of Tito's great skills is he can self-loathe with the best of them. He, he, uh, he can make a joke or make something um, in a very tense moment seem very light and, and, and easy. So, you know, don't let Tito fool you when he's talking to you about him being a bad manager. He was never a bad manager. I know that for sure, even in those early years in Philadelphia. He had a way about him, like I mentioned, with communication. He ran a clean game. Uh, he developed trust and had a great relationship with everybody from the clubhouse level, and that's what I could see. Uh, I don't know what happened in Philly, but I'm sure that those were a couple really good years for him to learn and grow and turn into what he is today. But uh, if he had been in Philadelphia and been left in Philadelphia, he would have been the same guy and won many world championships for the Phillies. Diamondbacks manager, National League manager of the year, Tori Lovallo joining us. So back to, to your development and what's led you to this point and, and, and getting a great opportunity. It took you a while to, to get the opportunity to run your own club. Uh, early on managing came in the Indians farm system. What were some of the things that, that you took away from your time in the Indians organization as a manager? And, and it was fairly lengthy that you think has helped you now down the road. Well, um, I did I did cut my teeth with the Cleveland Indians in player development, and I was so proud of, of the 10 years that I spent there. And I learned so much from different people. And, uh, you know, that's what you draw on when you're in the heat of the battle at this level. You draw on those experiences when you're in, in low A ball. And, and that's what, what I, I did. I started from, from the very bottom in that system and worked my way through the system as a manager like players do. But I learned so much over the course of time. And I learned what, it, what, what player development was of the Cleveland Indians. It was the backbone of their system. And that's what we do here in Arizona. We, we aren't a huge market team. We aren't the L.A. Dodgers or the New York Yankees. And we have to compete with those teams. Uh, so what we need to do is build things from within. Uh, and in doing so, you have, to, you have to establish that backbone of the system, which is player development. And that was brought to – um, brought to light by Mark Shapiro, Chris Antonetti, and Mike Chernoff, and I know they are still using that that uh, template there today, and I know Mark has brought it up to Toronto. But what I also learned from that group was to be as transparent as possible, honesty, eliminating barriers, and making everything inclusive, as I mentioned Tito did. Uh, it's one for all and all for one, and everybody's pulling the rope in the same direction. For many, many years, baseball was uh, full of barriers between the minor leagues and the big leagues, and when you finally cross that line, um, you had a manager that led with an iron fist. Uh, Mark Shapiro and his group broke out those barriers down and became very transparent, included the players in conversations um, about being open and honest. And that's what we do here in Arizona. It's been very successful. Tori Lovallo joining us, Diamondbacks manager, National League manager of the year. Tori, and I know a long time ago you, you've been wanting to be a, a major league manager and uh, have worked toward that point, and, and you get that opportunity this year. And I know you have... Uh, you had mentioned a lot of the the principles that, that you wanted to manage by. Uh, was there a point in time during the season where it clicked in and you said, uh-huh, the, you know, the things I believe in, they're working, and uh, and this can work out really well? Well, I think there's a couple of different times during the year that you hit these little – these little markers where you like, okay, yes, that, that, that's going to be, that's going to be something that, that worked in it. And I put myself out there and, and these guys responded and they bought in. And that's really what it is. It's about building trust, having a vision and having the players buy in and not to be dictatorial, but you want to build that trust and have them understand that you have their best interest uh, in the forefront of your mind and, and their performance is going to, is going to, 
is going to indicate the success of this organization. So I think in spring training, I talked about different things and I put different spins on things and, and had different versions of information that, that they were hearing. Uh, and I was taking a chance. You know, I used a lot of different phrases that, that uh, they may, never, may, may not have ever heard before. I used the word love. Um, and, you know, when you watch it in spring training and the guys buy in, you wonder if it's going to work during the season. So I think we had a pivotal uh, opening homestand where we had the Giants for four games. We won three out of four. And then we had the Cleveland Indians walk in, who were the, the, the defending American League champions come in, and we won – our three game series and we went six and one on that homestand. So that kind of validated a couple of the things that I talked about and I watched the guys buy into it. And I took a big deep breath myself because you're just not sure what they're going to think if it's going to work. And if you're, if you're crazy, but they, they responded and it's a credit to them that we got off to that start. And then there was a couple of pivotal series along the way during the season where things happened that went our way that, that led us to the next level and the, the next segment of where we needed to get to. Well, I'll tell you what, it was a heck of a season. You mentioned that that first series uh, that the Indians saw the Diamondbacks on their first homestand, and, and uh, you could see some really good things happening in, in Arizona for your ball club. And, uh, Tori, congratulations on a, a fine season, and uh, we'll look forward to seeing how things progress now down the road for you. All right, Jim, I appreciate the time. Always a pleasure to talk to you. National League Manager of the Year, Tori Lovello. Stay tuned. More to come after this on the Cleveland Clinic Indians Radio Network. Welcome back to Tribe Talk. Jim Rosenhouse back with you from Progressive Field, downtown Cleveland. We are joined by the Indians' assistant director of communications, Joel Hammond. And it is the holiday season. That means there are tickets flying everywhere involving the Cleveland Indians in various capacities. Joel, let's start with Tribe Fest. Great announcement recently about uh, this year's Tribe Fest, January the 20th. New venue. Tell us about the new venue. It's bigger and better. We're going to the Cleveland Convention Center, which if you've ever been there or walked past, you know it's a huge facility. So we're excited. It's got about 10 times as much space as we've had in the past, which will allow us to offer our fans more and more fun activities with uh, players and mascots and all that good stuff. So you go from having it here on site at the ballpark to uh, a couple of different hotels and now the convention center. How did you get there? And, and, and why has it become the event that it's become now? Well, the attendance has grown every, every season. And so we looked at it and, and really wanted to uh, find a way to expand it, be able to bring more people in, and also be able to do more fun stuff for our fans. So uh, we looked at the convention center. They're, they're a great partner, and uh, uh, they've opened up their, their doors for us. And it should be just a great event, like I said, about uh, ten times as much space and uh, plenty more things. Uh, if you've ever seen the movie Step Brothers, uh, plenty more room for activities, so it should be fun. Fun stuff and activities. Can you divulge uh, what some of those may be that, that maybe are different from the past and, and some good holdovers from the past? Well, we'll have the usuals, uh, visits from Slide on the Hot Dogs, face painting, caricatures for the kids. Uh, we'll also have more uh, activities on our main stage involving our players, so fun stuff like we did Pictionary last year with Francisco Lindor and, and Brian Shaw and uh, more stuff like that, more room to do things like that. And our players like that too. You know, We have them sign a lot of autographs, but they also like kind of getting away from the autograph sessions and, and doing fun things like that that show off their personality. So all kinds of great stuff. We're toying with having a, a big wiffle ball field there, but we'll have more, uh, we'll have more details on the specific activations uh, as we get closer to the event. All right, we mentioned January 20th. That's a Saturday, uh, a week earlier than it has been in the past. And in terms of the general public event, 
time of day, how do they get tickets? Yep. January 20th, 1.30 to 7.30 p.m. is the general public event. Go to Indians.com slash TribeFest. General admission tickets are $10, and, and GA tickets will get you access to all that good stuff that I just mentioned, those those fun activities with players, uh, mascots, all that stuff. Now, if you want to guarantee yourself autographs, that's an additional charge, $35 per session for our current roster players. Uh, we're just adding players uh, as we go now to the confirmation list. We've got Francisco and Jose, Andrew Miller, uh, Trevor Bauer, Michael Brantley, Jason Kipnis, all confirmed at this year's event, Josh Tomlin, these guys. So, uh, again, Indians.com slash TribeFest, $10 for GA tickets. That'll get you access to the whole building. Uh, but you'll also have to to guarantee autographs. You'll have to bundle those autograph session tickets with your GA ticket to, to get in those sessions. All right, now back up. You, you ran off a great list of players right there. They're all confirmed coming in. Is it true they're staying at your house for the weekend? Uh, I have the room, so uh, I, I'll be glad to have them. I'm not sure my wife and son would uh, enjoy them at our house, but uh, we'll, we'll make do. But, yeah, we've got, uh, again, we, we continue to add guys as we go day by day. So, uh, again, uh, I know I, I spoke quickly, but Francisco Lindor, Jose Ramirez, Andrew Miller, Trevor Bauer, Michael Brantley, Jason Kipnis, Josh Tomlin, uh, Danny Salazar, all these guys are confirmed to be at this year's event on January 20th, and uh, it should be a great event. And, it, I, sh- I would be remiss if I didn't mention KeyBank, which has been uh, our partner on the event for the duration, and they're they're a great uh, great partner. They have all kinds of free goodies for our fans at the door, and should be like I said, should be another great event. And can I just say that Andrew Miller was the surprise standout in Pictionary last year? I know Lindor did a good job. But uh, Miller, he was on his A game, so he, he's back. These guys are competitive no matter what they do. And I know when they came back, at the, it was Cody and, and uh, Andrew against Cookie and, uh, and Frankie, and uh, they were fired up after the game of Pictionary. So, Oh, this is uh, good stuff. We're visiting with Joel Hammond, the Indians' assistant director of communications, talking TribeFest, January 20th, Indians.com slash TribeFest for all the information. Now let's switch gears. Uh, it's holiday shopping season. And for that tribe fan and your family, you want to take care of them and, and give a gift that will give back all summer long. Tribe six packs are on sale. And how are those going and what makes them unique this season? Yeah, third year we've done this and they're they're selling well. So uh What's a little bit different this year is uh, it has six games throughout the year where in the past we've kind of concentrated them in the summer. Now you've got a game in April, you've got a game in September, and then you've got four other prime weekends in May, June, July, and August. So uh, really a great way to lock in some of these games early. You know, Jim, last year we talked all offseason about these summer weekend games are going to sell out, and we saw. They did. We had 13 sellouts, the most we had since 2007, 2001 maybe even. Um, So uh, these summer games will sell out. This is an easy way to lock in your tickets for those games uh, at a discounted price and early. So uh, we've got the Yankees. We've got uh, Detroit. We've got KC, Toronto, the Angels. And uh, what these also will have is, as, as our fans know, on these summer weekend games, we line up dollar dogs and $2 uh, beer pregame uh, premium promotional items on those Saturday games. So uh, these will have all those. And Indians.com slash six-packs will uh, have all your info on six-packs. And, again, the opponents, the Yankees, Royals, Angels, Boston, Toronto, and Detroit as a part of those six-packs. So, again, just go to Indians.com. It's all right there, slash six-packs on those. That's Joel Hammond, the Assistant Director of Communications for the Indians, talking about some great events coming up as uh, we get through the offseason here in Cleveland. But Tribe Fest, January 20th. Tribe Six Packs are on sale now if you want to pick them up for holiday gift-giving. And stay tuned. More to come. We'll have our final segment of Tribe Talk with our weekly look back at 2017, our Game of the Week, coming your way shortly after this on the Cleveland Clinic Indians Radio Network. 
Welcome back to Tribe Talk. Jim Rosenhouse back with you this weekend from Progressive Field in downtown Cleveland. And it's time now for our look back at the 2017 season with our weekly game of the week as we take a look back at some of the great games of what was an outstanding season for the Tribe in 2017 with an American League best 100 and two wins during the regular season. And one early season matchup, which was certainly intriguing, it happened right here at Progressive Field. The Indians took on the Houston Astros, the team that would eventually win this year's World Series. And uh, this game, a Thursday night, April the 27th, the Astros came in 14-7 and as they were on their way to just an outstanding start to their season. Meanwhile, the Indians were still trying to find it as they were 11-9 and at that time. And as you know, they kind of settled around that 500 mark for much of the year heading into the second half before they really took off and on the heels of that 22-game win streak ended up winning 102 ball games. The starting pitchers, Corey Kluber for the Indians, Mike Fires for the Houston Astros. And before the game, we visited with Mickey Calloway, as we always do, the now former Indians pitching coach. And he talked about what makes Kluber and some of the others in the starting rotation so effective, especially when it comes to finding the right pitch that works on a particular night. I think so, probably with all of our guys, because they all have about four pitches that are probably above average. So anytime you have that, you're going to see, like, Carrasco had a really good slider the other night. And, you know, his change is usually his best pitch. And the same thing with Kluber. You know, sometimes he'll get that cutter going and maybe limit the curveball a little bit. So when he when he has one of those really good pitches going to go along with that fastball, um, they're all pretty dangerous, especially Kluber. So that sets the stage for the ball game. The Indians and Astros meeting in the finale of a three-game series, and the Astros looked for an early lead in the first inning. They had loaded the bases with one out, but as we've seen so many times with Corey Kluber, he was able to shut down the rally. Evan Gaddis. Had a career-best 32 home runs a year ago, knocked in 72, batted 251. He is one dangerous hitter. Hits out of a crouch, spread at the plate. The 0-2, got him swinging on a curve. How about that? Boy, Corey Kluber just stuck with that breaking ball. And Kluber strikes out Gaddis with the bases loaded, two down. Bases loaded, two down. Traveling time for the Astros. And Kluber trying to get out of it. Here's the payoff pitch. Swung on, hit to right and deep. Back goes Almonte at the wall. He made the catch. Slams into the wall. Hangs on. Does a fist pump. And Kluber gets out of it. Oh, what a top of the first inning. And a heck of a grab by Abraham Almonte. And now the Astros may be checking if that ball hit off the wall. And then went into the glove of Almonte, and we are going to have a review. Right now, it's a scoreless game in the middle of the first, and New York is taking a long look at the replay. Here come the headsets. It looked like they were about to be taken off. They are off, and here's the call. He is out! The catch will stand by Abraham Almonte. Kluber gets out of it. Then in the top half of the second inning, the Astros would get on the board. A solo home run by Marwin Gonzalez. But in the bottom half of the second inning, 
Edwin Encarnacion would answer. Now the 2-2. Swung on, hit high, deep to center field. It's got a chance. It is gone. Well, Edwin Encarnacion made the adjustment and smoked one to dead center. It's a 1-1 ball game, and it Edwin Encarnacion tee off. Meanwhile, Houston's red-hot offense was back at it in the third. Four hits led to two runs, and the Indians fell behind 3-1. to one. Then in the fifth, the Indians would get a run closer thanks to Abraham Almonte. Mike Fires will go back to work on Abe Almonte. And the Indians left fielder leans into one, drives it high and deep right center, and it's a home run, Abraham Almonte. First home run on the season for Almonte. And the Tribe pulls to within one. It's now a 3-2 ball game. Meanwhile, Kluber was settling in. He worked through the seventh inning, keeping it a one-run ball game at 3-2. Then, in the bottom half of the seventh, with a man aboard, Francisco Lindor was facing reliever Chris Davinsky, and he put the Tribe in front. Now the set by the right-hander, Davinsky. And the 2-0 pitch to Lindor. Swung on and built it to deep right center. Away, back, and gone. Francisco Lindor, a two-run blast into the bullpen in right center. Off the unhittable, Chris Davinsky. And the Cleveland Indians have the lead over the Houston Astros on one swing of the bat. Brian Shaw took care of the Astros in the eighth inning, and it was up to Cody Allen in the ninth. The always dangerous Jose Altuve, who would go on to win the Most Valuable Player Award. He started the ninth inning with a base hit, but then he made the mistake of testing Jan Gomes, tribe catcher, behind the plate. Now the question is, would Altuve be running here? He's been banged up after that collision on Tuesday night. And Jan Gomes threw one Astro out tonight from his knees. And that's a quick runner in Nori Aoki. We shall see. Cleveland, four runs, eight hits. Houston, three runs, nine hits. Now the set by Allen. Hands belled high. Delivers. Runner goes. Pitch high and wide. Gomes, great throw to second. Tag. Got him! Lindor slapped the tag on the sliding Altuve. What a throw by Gomes. Wow, has he made two great throws tonight. Well, Jan Gomes showing why he is such a valuable asset. And then it was Cody Allen finishing this one up in style. Cody Allen, who had an incredible October to remember. Ten games in the postseason. No runs allowed. 24 strikeouts. Now the 2-2 pitch to McCann. Swing and a miss. Ball game. He chased a curveball in the dirt, and Cody Allen does it again. How about that? Astros at first and third, one out, and Cody Allen gets to numbers three and four hitters to end this ball game and ending it with a curveball in the dirt that McCann chased for a game-ending strikeout. What a series here in April between two of the real juggernauts in all of baseball. The Indians win the series, and they win the game 
four to three. So the Indians won it. Corey Kluber with his third win of the season. And who knew at that time that he was dealing with a back issue? He would make one more start and then have to go on the disabled list for a month. But it certainly didn't hold him back from a Cy Young Award season. Chris Davinsky took the loss. The save went to Cody Allen, his fifth on the season. After the game, Terry Francona talked about a big series win against a very good Houston team with Tribe broadcaster Tom Hamilton. Gosh, Terry, I can't remember many series in the month of April and years gone by that had that kind of a feel to it. And I don't want to equate it to the playoffs, but just a tremendous series with the Houston Astros where you left the ballpark going, that was really fun. I I agree with that. Um, I mean, naturally, when you win, you go (laughs) away with a better feeling. But it looked to me like there were two teams that really wanted to win. Neither team ever quit playing. And... I know we talked a couple of days ago, and I said if somebody compared us to them, I would take that as a huge compliment because they keep coming at you, and they make you work for everything. I mean everything. And that was even missing a couple of their best players. So, you know, it was good to get that win yesterday, really good. But they're, and I know I said it, they're fun to play just because they present so many challenges, and they're going to be heard from this year. Again, it's April, but isn't that good for your ball club too, how they responded, how you had to work out of jams in eighth and ninth innings, how you had to get a big hit from a Frankie Lindor? You know, you try to learn so much about your team early in the year. I mean, you're always trying to learn, but especially early. And the one thing that I'm seeing that is a carryover from last year is their willingness to to seem to enjoy the challenges that come during a game. You know, a couple of years ago, I remember we'd have a team meeting and guys would be good for a day or two, and then it would wane a little bit, and that was frustrating. I don't see that with this group here. When the game starts, it's time for us to play and see if we can win. It's not always pretty, but it's not because they're not invested in the game, and I really like that. I admired that about our team last year, and I think that quality is carrying over this year. And also the next day, we had a chance to catch up with Francisco Lindor, who had the big home run that turned the game around. And it came off of a very good relief pitcher in Chris Devensky. And unusual in today's game, it was the second time that Lindor had a chance to face Devensky in the same game. Unusual for a reliever to be in that long. I mean, I saw the, the first at bat, I saw, the, I saw three change-ups, and I, was, I knew what they were going to do. You know, you have an idea how the pitch is going to break. And uh, just I, I went up to the plate looking for a good pitch to hit somewhere up, something up in the zone, not too high because that's usually where he throws the, the high fastball and you can't catch up to it. But I was looking something more bell high where I could just drive the ball, hit it somewhere hard. I wasn't trying to hit a home run, and uh, the changeup we started at it, where I wanted it, it just ended up dying a little bit. Um, but I still got the barrel to it, and uh, I was I was glad uh, I got the barrel to it. And not often you see a relief pitcher twice in the same game, especially late in the game. That perhaps the biggest difference there that allowed you to have success? Yeah, I mean, he. I saw him the bat before with a man on third base, and he, he threw me his best pitches. And then, then I saw him again with a man on first base late in the game, and he was going to throw me the same, his best pitch. You know, he was going to try to get me out. And uh, I just, you know, yeah, you see him once, you study him. And then you hope that uh, he continues to do what, what he was doing and, and you, you make it your, your part of your plan. 
from a fan's perspective, great series to watch between the Indians and Houston. From a player's perspective, and especially the fact that, that you know some of those players over there, how enjoyable was it for you to play those last three oh, nights? It was, it was so much fun. It was so much fun. They, uh, they, uh, um, just playing with a bunch of young guys is fun, and and the way they they're playing the game right now is is very good. You know, they 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 got a good team. I think they could be um, in the playoff, and uh, it was fun competing against them. Knowing it was Correa, um, Otuve, Springer, Alex Cora was there, Beltran was there. It's always it's always fun playing against them. A lot of those names you mentioned, you spent some quality time with during spring training with Team Puerto Rico, and, and did that make it that much more special to, to play against them? And yeah, definitely, for sure, for sure. You, you get to know them, and then when you see them again, you, you're happy that you get to see them, and you're happy that uh, you're going to be playing against them. So, so it's always it's always a pleasure. It's always a um, a very good experience playing against them because they they make you get the best out of you. We're recording this. Uh, Way before game time, there's some infield practice going on. Do we have a new shortstop? Is there someone after your job? Yeah, yeah. Kip, Kip is working hard over there. He looks really good. <laughs> he, he's making me, he's making me kind of want to go out there and do it again. <laughs> Francisco Lindor joining us. Uh, you look at at how your season has gone so far, and, and uh, obviously a great start for you. And it seems like the team is really settling in nicely. Are you happy with how things are going now the last week to 10 days or so? Yeah, yeah. The guys are getting more more um, used to each other. And um, we are here to compete and um, help each other out. And that's what we're doing right now. Everybody's enjoying the ride. Um, I know we got a long way to go, but this is when you start building team chemistry, when things aren't going your way. And um, we did that at the beginning of the season. We built team chemistry. We got better. And uh it's just a matter of continuing uh, right in the highway. Oh, and Lindor commenting right there about the Indians starting to get it going and, and his season, and who knew at that point? And he was off to a good start in terms of the home runs and, and coming up with home runs at key times, but who knew at that point that he would go on to hit 33 home runs and drive in 89? What a year for Lindor, the Tribe shortstop, and getting it all done at the age of just 23. He just turned 24 earlier in uh, the month of November. So, boy, a lot to look forward to in terms of the future for Lindor and uh, the Indians with a big win over the Astros early in the season, albeit, but certainly an entertaining ball game and one of our classics from the 2017 season. Hope you're enjoying this feature. That's weekly now during the hot stove portion of Tribe Talk during the offseason. That's going to wrap it for this week's show. Hope you can join us again next week when we join you from Progressive Field here in downtown Cleveland. Until then, this is Jim Rosenhouse reminding you that you've been listening to Tribe Talk on the Cleveland Clinic Indians Radio Network. Tribe Talk on the Cleveland Indians Radio Network has been brought to you by Cleveland Clinic. Access the number one care in Ohio anytime, anywhere. By Subway, the official training restaurant of the Cleveland Indians. By KeyBank, the banking home of the Cleveland Indians. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with h track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. 
Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.